The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear. Let every heart be receptive to receive all that heaven has today. Thank you for your people today. So mightily grows your word and prevails in the life of every man, woman, boy, and girl. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to read the first 13 verses, Acts 13, and verse 1. It's the story of Saul and Barnabas being commissioned. And the Word of God declares, now there were in the church, there was an Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that were called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered under the Lord and fasted, so you see something about fasting. It's not just about no food. Fasting is you ministering to the Lord. Are you with me? Fasting is not you, and I really want to encourage you, if you didn't catch last Sunday, you need to watch it, because many people, I've received texts and emails from everywhere, people said, thank you, Pastor, that really helped me. But fasting is not just about you skipping food for 21 days or 40 days, it's about you ministering to the Lord. And I have no problem with anybody doing a 40-day fast if God leads you to do that, but really, that's on a rare occasion. Most people are not able to do that, so because they can't, they feel inferior. But what we, as pastoral leadership here, felt to do, because once a month we have the all-night prayer meeting, which is a Friday night, that you could at least fast Friday, which would be one day of the month, or you could fast the Thursday and the Saturday. There would be three, you know, over 12 months, that's 36 days. That's longer than a 21-day fast and almost a 40-day. So what I'm saying is that everybody can do at least one day. Who thinks you can do one day a month? And then maybe as you begin to pick up momentum, you can do two or three. But there's many people working jobs. And as I said last week, you're not able to go on a 7, 10, 15, 21-day fast because you're not even at your optimum especially if you work hard and whatever, and then suddenly your job is suffering because you're on this so-called fast. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But they minister to the Lord. Fasting is ministering to the Lord. It's where you set aside whatever you're doing, you're going to minister to the Lord. And you can actually do that one half day a week. You can, you can say, or oh, a day off or whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that this should be part of your lifestyle. It should be part of your DNA. Where you just wake up, I'm not going to breakfast. I'm going to minister to the Lord. I might have lunch, but probably not. I'm going to minister to the Lord, and then I'll take a little supper. Whatever. You can do that. 
There's nothing wrong with that. And be effective. But they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost then spoke to them and said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands upon them and sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia and from then sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they were gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Now, you'll find that when you carry revival and the move of God, there'll always be somebody there seeking to hinder, seeking to stop what God's doing. And we don't even have to go to sorcerers. We just go to other preachers, which some of them borderline sorcerers anyway. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. Sometimes you just have to call people just like they are. You child of the devil, you enemy of all uh, righteousness, Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. So suddenly the guy was struck blind. And immediately there fell upon him a mist and darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from them and returned to Jerusalem. So this is what the modern church should be functioning as, people that are and have in their DNA prayer and fasting and ministering to the Lord. Not, you know, I'm going to go on a fast. Oh, I'm on day 10. I'll tell you. I'm going to try to do this. That's not ministering to the Lord. If you minister to the Lord, you're going to be refreshed. Are you with me? It's impossible to minister to the Lord and come away dry. Well, I went on a fast, but I never heard a thing. Today, I'm going to talk to you how to position yourself to hear and receive from God. How many want to hear and receive from God? Well, the Bible's pretty plain concerning that. If you go with me to the book of Hebrews and look at chapter 11, thank God for His Word. And verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you come to him believing that he is. 
Many people believe that he is, but they don't believe that he's a rewarder. But not only is he, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So what are you doing when you set aside time for prayer and fasting? You are diligently seeking him. How many have ever lost something and you go looking for it and you just search and search and keep looking for it? And that's what you're doing. People see me, I'm busy, and you might talk to me, but I'm in another place. I'm diligently seeking God. I could be in a crowd and diligently seek God. I don't have to have my mouth moving. Are you with me? My heart's moving all the time. You haven't seen my heart move. I stand in a crowd and inside I'm praying. I've done a lot of praying standing in front of churches and ministering around the world. I look out across the congregation and I pause for a moment and say, oh God, please help that person. People don't realize when they see me pause, I'm actually praying for you. Some said, you're not. Oh yes, I am. Oh God, please help that person. Lord, if there's anything you can do today to give them a breakthrough, please. Because if they don't get a breakthrough, they're about to break. One look at their face tells you. Every face tells a story. It doesn't lie. It's a billboard. So when you fast, you come to God on the basis of his word. We don't come to God because you're going through a hard time and, oh God, I'm going through a hard time. Always find what covers what you believe in God for in his word, then come to him on the basis of his word. So, Lord, today I'm coming to you on the basis of your word. In your word, you said this, this, and this, and that's what I'm coming to you about. And then you begin to pray and you minister to God and you put him in remembrance of his word, which he said you should do, which is very important for us to do. There's a lot of people spend a day, they don't even remind God of his word. Somebody said, well, he doesn't need to be reminded of his word. He already knows what his word says. It's not about that. It's about you ministering to him. And you come in worship. Father, I worship you today. I thank you for your goodness and grace. And then you can actually remind him. So now I remember what happened over there and how you helped me with that. And then, Lord, I had that problem, and then you helped me, so I'm just thanking you for that. But now, Lord, I'm facing this other situation here, and I don't actually know what to do. That's why I'm actually going to pray in tongues right now. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost, because when I don't know what to pray for as I ought, the Holy Spirit will pray through me the perfect will of God. Amen. And I'm also going to build myself up, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. But I've really come to minister to you today. I've just come to tell you that I love you. And I've come to tell you how thankful I am to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness to me and your grace. And I just come to tell you how much I love you and I'm so thankful. But while I'm doing that, uh, I want to bring this up because I don't know what to do about this. So I don't even know how to pray about it. So I'm not going to pray in English because I've run out of words already. So I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost over this matter. Amen. In Psalm 84 and verse 7 talks about God's people, the righteous, go from strength to strength. So you this year, 
We'll be going from strength to strength. I said this last Sunday, how many of you are stronger now than you were three years ago? Well, can you imagine what's going to happen to you this year? This year, by December the 31st, you're going to be so much stronger than you are right now. Even this week, you're going to get stronger. So don't wait for emergencies before you pray and fast. Some people are only pushed into that realm when there's an emergency. But just keep pressing in. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Your faith will get stronger. When you pray, you pray with more authority than you've ever prayed before. Why? Because you know. You know what God did. You know, somebody said, can you pray for this? And you go, sure. Not a problem. Why? Because you've seen God do that even in your own life on multiple occasions. And you see that taking place. Let's say a person, God healed them, you know, from cancer, and then they have no problem. You know, somebody said, please pray for this person. They have cancer. Oh, I pray for them right now. The Lord healed me. Or a couple that couldn't have a child, and they prayed, and they were barren, and then God gave them a child, and then they meet a couple that, you know, can't have children. You come here. We're going to lay hands upon you. You're going to have a child. God did that for us. So you, it always comes out of your testimony of what God has done for you, how he saved you, how he healed you, how he delivered you, how he set you free, how the power of the enemy was broken off of you. You're, you're going from faith to faith. You're growing daily in the things of God. And here at the river, you're growing daily in the things of God. And then you're having a, a practical outlet because we tell everybody to go win souls and go to a lost and dying world. And so you're going outside beyond the four walls of the church to tell everybody. So thank God for healing school, but healing's not, healing school is not the only place people get healed. People get healed everywhere you go because that's what we teach you to do. Are you with me? If we had to wait for everybody to come to healing school, they'd die. But you are the healing school going to people to get them healed especially if you've been through healing school seven times. You should be a walking healing school. Can you say amen? To take your hands and lay it on the sick. Then 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. But, but we all, with open face, you would almost think that he was from the south, but y'all, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of God. So, if you weren't with us last Sunday, I told you my adverse reaction to people announcing 21-day fast, which I'm happy people can do whatever they want to, but the church that I was exposed to when I first arrived in America in Louisville, Kentucky, every year they had a 21-day fast, and I watched them, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, and by 93, I just sat the pastor down and said, look, I've been watching you, and you guys might as well just go ahead and eat. So I'll, we'll fast, but I ain't announcing January the 1st, a 21-day fast. I just, because 
other churches that have been affected by that church the same way. You go in there, they're twice dead and plucked up by the roots, and they say, oh, we just come up our 21-day fast. Well, great. You go ahead and knock yourself out. Uh, this is a relationship, not a ritual. Are you with me? Why do I have to raise the dead of a church? Why do I have to raise a dead church back to life and they just come out of a 21-day fast? The place should be cooking. The place should be buzzing. People should be saved, healed, and set free. I have to go in there the week after they had the fast and I have to raise the dead. They're all just staring at you, looking at you. It's like the churches that announce prayer every morning at 542 because of Acts 542. I go in there. They're so tired. They can't even keep their head up. Then they all want to go to bed at 9 o'clock so they can't come to the revival services. Give me a break. Don't get me started on this. Yet. So I want to encourage everybody here, you must fast and you must pray. You must pray every day. I don't say you fast every day. But there needs to be desig designated days of fasting. So what we are going to do at the church is the next all-night prayer meeting, that day of the Friday or the Saturday, either day, will be designated days of prayer and fasting. And it's totally your choice. You don't have to announce it, and you don't have to post it on Instagram or on Facebook. And a true fast is just water, not even broth. You can do some broth if you want to stay away from tea and coffee, but a true fast is really water, just water. You're not eating. You're not sticking the stuff into your mouth. Amen. So rather do one good fast a month than days of useless nonsense where you're posting your Daniel fast recipes and people are buying your Daniel fast recipe book. We're not interested. Seriously? Now, so what do I do, Pastor? What do I pray during that time of prayer and fasting? And again, don't limit it to the days of prayer and fasting, but be praying the prayers that I've taught you here from the book of Ephesians, the prayers that Paul prayed from Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. Spend a whole day praying that over yourself and ministering to the Lord. You won't even think about food. Breakfast will go, lunch will go, you know, it's afternoon, I haven't eaten anything. And you'll be strengthened by the Lord. Amen. Set goals and objectives. Write down what you're believing for. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? And most people, well, whatever God wants, praise God. I meet couples, they want to have children. Uh, what are you believing for? Well, as many as the Lord wants to give me. Oh, really? Now I'm just believing whatever God wants. What are you on now? Number 12? Yeah, the Lord wanted me to have 12 kids. God doesn't just do that to people. People get together and make a decision, I'm going to have 12 kids. Hello. Somebody said, I don't know how we have that many kids. We know how you have those many kids. 
see how people always try to get spiritual about something that's natural. If you want to have children, then get with the process. Do what needs to be done. Can you say amen? Don't spiritualize it. Don't tell whatever the Lord wants. You're not doing this like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. You can read about that in Matthew 16, Matthew 6 and verse 16. Of course, they will always pray publicly. If you want to see the Pharisee, Sadducee spirit, go to Washington, D.C. and watch the Christians pray publicly. They don't know how to pray for the government because they hate the government, so they can't pray. And when they pray, they pray their party line. Democrats are praying. Um, Father, and we know it's your will to kill babies, and Lord, for us to recognize people of different genders. That, it's, it's the gospel according to what their political party is, and they pray that way. The Republicans, it's all the gospel according to their talk. God don't care about your politics. He cares about His Word. Whatever's in His Word, you can pray. Are you with me? So if you want to see Pharisees and Sadducees pray, go hang around Washington, D.C. and go to the prayer breakfasts and all the prayer. You never hear so much drivel in your life. Are you with me? Somebody said, we'd like you to pray. You don't want me to pray. You don't want me to pray. I'll empty the room. In one minute, I'll empty the room. Father, save these bunch of heathen. Your motives have to be pure. Are you with me? Isaiah 58. Why don't we go there, if you would, please? Isaiah, you would say Isaiah, but really it's not. It's Isaiah 58. And I want to read verses 3. And I'm going to look at verses 3 through 5. And I'm going to talk to you about the wrong way of fasting here. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. It is such a fast that I've chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul. It is to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him, 
Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So there's, the, people are fasting certain ways. God doesn't even pay attention to it. He's not even interested. They pray a certain way. God doesn't even listen. He's not even interested. It's all out of the bad motive, wrong motive. It's all out of religion and tradition. And that's why religion is man's vain attempt to reach God. It's, there's no relationship to it. And you do it over and over and over. And you wonder why I seem further away. I went on this fast and I'm further away from God than I was before I started. Because you took on yourself the burden of religion. Where's the relationship when it comes to that? Are you with me? Look at verse 6 now. He'll tell you verse 6 to 12 will tell you the way to fast. Is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? That's what fasting will do. Loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burden. Don't come tell me you've just come through a time of prayer and fasting and you're more burdened than you are now. I meet people all the time. They've always got a burden. They'll come to church. When I lay my burden down. But they're always carrying it. They didn't lay it down for any length of time. They come lay it down. You meet them in the lobby. They, they pick whatever they lay it down on the way out of the door. They, they not only picked up their burden, they picked up everybody else's burden. He says, yeah, let, to undo the heavy burden, let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. So when you come through this, you're going to be stronger than ever before. Every yoke is going to be broken. Can you say amen? amen. And then he said, it's not to deal that bread. Is it not to deal the bread to the hungry? So in other words, the food that you would eat, go give it to the poor and don't eat the food. Give the food to the poor. Some say, well, I have to go eat in a restaurant with other people. Then take a poor person with you, bring them in, and sit them out at a table and pay for them the meal that you were going to eat while you just sit there. And that they bring the poor that are cast out into your house, which a lot of people don't even want to do that. A lot of people don't even want to go to the lost let alone bring them into your house. When thou see the naked, that thou cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh. In other words, you become sensitive to the needs of other people around about you, which I meet a lot of people. They're not sensitive at all. They're only worried about themselves. They only care about themselves, but they're not sensitive to the needs of others. Now he says, when you do this, what will happen? Then when your light break forth as the morning, your health shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Then you will call, and the Lord shall answer. You're not going to get unanswered prayer. You will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking of vanity, and if you draw out thy soul, 
to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. So whatever was dark will become bright. Whatever was obscure will be brought into a place of prominence. That's why what you don't realize what we're doing behind the scenes, helping people, not just here, but in other nations of the earth, we're always helping somebody all the time. And that doesn't mean to say we help everybody that just keeps moaning about help because some people go around and all they do is just try to tap every resource they, they, they can. But we're going to help our members. And if some people come here from other churches, we'll say, what church do you go to? And they'll tell you the church they go to. Then we say, go see your pastors and ask them to help you. They say, well, our pastors won't help you. Well, that's not my problem. You go to that church. Hello. I'm not trying to be mean, but don't waste my time. I'm going to help everybody. We're going to help the lost. But if you go into another church and they want to help you, why go there? Just asking. Is it more convenient for you? The service is short enough for you? Hello? Just asking. Hashtag asking for a pastor. So you, you, you'll see God's hand. The Lord shall guide you continuously. God will guide you. If you want to be guided continuously by the Lord, which in what I do is very important. I cannot have a day where I'm not guided by Him. And I don't want to have a day when I make dumb moves and stupid moves. And it's like we were standing in the auditorium. Was it Thursday? Friday? I can't remember when. And they said, we need a new roof. And I said, well, how much a new roof? They said, 125. And suddenly I felt the anointing. I just felt the power of God come on me. I said, go ahead and do the roof. Just tell him, call him right now. Get him on the phone. I want to hear them. Call him right now. They got on the phone. Call the roofer. I want to see them calling the roofer. Get the roofer on the phone. Tell him, order the stuff. We're in a new roof this next week. Hallelujah. Why? Because I felt it. But if that didn't happen, I'd say, all right, let's leave it for a month or so. And we can't leave it for a month. I'm not having leaks on our head. We didn't just come this far to have leaks. Can you say amen? So the Lord will guide you continuously and satisfy your soul in drought. That means in the middle of drought, what they call economy, what they call, oh, this is happening and that's happening. Doesn't matter about the price of gas, the price of eggs, the price of anything in the middle of drought, your soul will be satisfied. That shall be even this week for you. Even this week, even Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, your soul shall be satisfied. While other people walk around in drought, your soul will be taken care of. Why? Because the Lord is on your side and you are his children. And because you diligently seek his face, he will come to your help because he's right there and will meet every single need, even down to the deepest desire, as you already heard in the testimonies today. And while we're on the subject of cars, I have faith for cars that God will give people the car of their dream, the one that you desire, and let God give you a car that you can put in the show. 
because my dream is to come when we have the River Car Show and it's just River members. And all the heathen have to fight to get a, a spot to even put their car in because the people are so blessed. Can you say amen? Everybody say blessed. Say a car is on its way to me. The vehicle I need. My desire. So the Lord will satisfy your soul. Get ready to have your soul satisfied in the middle of a drought. Amen. And then this is for every one of you. God will make fat your bones. God will make fat your bones. That means your bones are going to be living, alive. They're not dead, dry bones. Amen. That means even down to your marrow. Hallelujah. And you will be like a watered garden. That sounds like an oasis. Sounds like an Eden to me. A watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And they that shall be of thee, that means all of the people around you, your family, your friends, loved ones, shall build up the old waste places, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of the path to dwell in. That's the mandate for this church. That's the mandate for this ministry. That's what God has called us to do. That's why we go into places and bring revival to bring about the rest restoration, the restorers, the repairers of the breach, the restorers of the path to dwell in. Prayer and fasting is not an option. It is a discipline in the life of the believer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So again, as I said, it's not stuffing yourself with food or liquids. Fast one or three days, one or two or three days. And if God leaves you longer, that's fine, but no one should know it. No one should know. And then liquids, really just water for a true fast. Do not do coffee and tea. Don't do any caffeine or energy drinks or stuff like that. And the broth is something that was added lately. I didn't know anything about broth until a few years ago. Everybody's into broth, which tastes like cardboard boxes that have been put in water and then ground. Who's ever had some broth? Some of, it, some of it tastes like a dog that's been stinky and just water thrown on him. It's like a wet dog. Like, great, thank you for this broth. You can do without it. Now, down through the centuries, the Lord has used people in profound ways. And we see this not just from the early church, but all the way down through the years. People that will press in, that will get the mind of God and then begin to move mountains. Do you realize that for somebody you will be a mountain mover? Are you with me? Everybody say, I'm here to move mountains. Some people couldn't move themselves to church today. 
because they thought they would freeze to death. The best place to die is church. Many have already died. They're just sitting on the pew. We have to go around and raise the, the living dead. But God is looking for men and women that will press in. Once you have that breakthrough, do you realize how many others will have a breakthrough right behind you? Are you with me? So you can sit and mope and be sad because of the condition that you find yourself in, or you can grit your teeth, say, bless God, I'm a breakthrough. When I break through, there are going to be many other people going to break through. And the devil's going to pay, as we've talked already, with the bow. Amen. I'm not going to sit here and lick my wounds until Jesus comes and talk about how badly done by I am. And then this happened, like I talked about last week, you get some people up to testify. It's always the bad news. And then in 1948, I got married. And then they go on and on and on about their problems. And there's no victory. It's like a sad story. Like once you've listened to them, you want to find a place to jump off of. God doesn't lead you from tragedy to tragedy. He leads you from tragedy to triumph to victory. Can you say amen? He's not going to leave you in that place. If you cry out to him, he's, he, God doesn't have short arms and a big body. His hand is not short. He can reach you anywhere you are. No matter what continent you're living on, no matter what city, what town, if you live on the backside of a desert, God will find you when you call out to him. And then he will come and reveal himself to you. And then based on the way he's revealed himself to you, he will then send you to go and let him reveal himself to others through you that you become that hope that they don't have. Because as we teach you here, you're the only Jesus that the world will ever see. Are you with me? So God's used people down through the years, and you could call it the gift of divine grace, which obviously is what the Lord has hit us with. I got hit with a stick of divine grace. I got knocked in the head with a stick, and that's all I know. Can you say amen? So in myself, in my being, I will not tolerate anything other than the supernatural intervention of God in the course of any circumstance, any situation, or any event, we will see the miraculous. That's the way it is. And I'm not saying that to convince anybody here. I'm just telling you that's the way we started out all those years ago, and that's the way we'll carry it all the way into glory. Relentless in our pursuit, yes, sir. regardless of what the critics say. As you've heard me tell you, the dogs bark, but the caravan keeps moving. We don't slow down so you can pee on our tires. Are you with me? 
We're going to stay moving, doing exactly what God has called us to do, whether the devil likes it, whether other people like it, it does not matter. We care not. We are not worried about other people's opinions. We are only concerned about the Word of God and what God's Word says. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. It's very important that you grab a hold of what I'm talking about right now. Because many people allow themselves to be talked out of what God has for them by listening to religious deadheads, Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't sees, and couldn't sees. Well, we're not doing that here. Amen. You know, especially the last three years, I've had to tell more people coming on this property to their face, you're in the wrong place. You need to leave. Because they're coming here with their outside opinions that's contrary to the Word of God. And I don't want them around here. We'll give them opportunity to change, but I'm sure not going to sit and fight with them all day. And I don't want them polluting the rest of the people. Amen. So we tell them, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. We should get the band to learn that song one more time. We actually did it back in Bush Boulevard. I had them do it in, <laughs> during the service. One day, we, we had them sing it. Somebody said, I can't believe it. I went to the church. And they sang, hit the road, Jack. How did they know my name was Jack? It's a song, dummy. Now, I've told this story many times when we have dealt with the subject of prayer, but I felt in my spirit to bring it to you today again because we have a lot of new people watching by way of television and there's new students and people that have showed up here for the next intake of River University. But history tells us a lot of things. Obviously, we go to the Word first and I could spend a lot of time talking about all the miracles that you see from the book of Genesis going all the way through you know, with every single one that God used. And I, I mentioned some of those even last week and the week before when we talked about El Shaddai and we talked about the vow and what God did with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But one thing you realize is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. He's never changed. God doesn't change every five years to go with popular opinion. Are you with me? Some people say, well, the people want this. God doesn't even change to what the people want. God is unchangeable. Can you say amen? Unchangeable. God and His Word are one. They can never be separated. And He watches of His Word to perform it. Now, back in history, and I found this in the writings of Marco Polo, 
in the year 1225. Now, just to set the stage, you could go study. How many have heard about Marco Polo? He was Italian from Italy and grew up in Venice. And his father and his uncle were sailors and explorers, and they had set off one month before his birth, one month before his, his birth, and went to China. They went out east, and it took them 29 years, you know, to do the journey. I mean, because it's not, you've got no planes, you've got no cars, you can't move around like you used to. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, they took off. When, when, they, when they got back, he was 19 years old. Sorry, he was 19 years, obviously. <laughs> when he got back, he was 19 years old, and he took off on a journey that took him 29 years. So the, mom, the father and uncle took 19 years on their journey. He took 29 years. And he wrote about it. You can buy the unabridged version of Marco Polo's writings, which is over 1,000 pages. And as I was reading it, it shocked me what I found. So in the writings, he tells a story about when he got to the province of Iraq, which now, of course, we know is the nation of Iraq, and to the city of Baghdad, which he said was on the trade route from east to west. It was a city of spices, of tapestry, of wool and many different things because people would come there to trade. And in the province of Iraq, there were about 100,000 Christians that living there at the time, and they were broken down into two different groups, the Jacobites and the Nestorians. And so they didn't agree with each other, but they would both claim to be Christians. But if you added them together, there were about 100,000 of them. And then there was a... Uh, a caliph, a Saracen, who came to power in 1225, and he sought continually to convert, dispossess, or kill the Christians. And what he would do, would he would try to find passages of scriptures and then say to the Christians, can you produce this? If they could produce it, then fine. If they couldn't, then he slaughtered them. But anyway, he was so happy when he found the passage where Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. He told the Christians that there was a mountain that he wanted them to move, and he gave them 10 days. He actually gathered them together. Obviously, he had power, but the Christians at that time were very wealthy, and some of them controlled the, east, the trade route from east to west. So he's trying to work out how I'm going to get to dispossess them of all this. How do I get them into compliance? So he took them out into this huge valley, showed them a mountain and said, I'm, do you believe the scripture that if you have faith as a mustard seed that you can move this mountain? And they all said, yes, because they believe the Bible. He said, good, because 10 days from now, you're gonna move the mountain. And if you move the mountain, I will convert to Christianity. If you don't, I will give you opportunity to become a Muslim, or as they call it, Mohammedan, Mohammedan faith. Are you with me? And uh, he said, you have 10 days. <laughs> How would you like to be put to the place where you have 10 days to do the impossible? Which I believe we come into the showdown of that. I believe, I believe that's what I preached about just a few weeks ago. 
This year, you're going to see more people put into a place where you have to produce. You either, because here's what he said. If you cannot move the mountain, then you would prove that you are a backslider and a hypocrite to your own faith because you don't believe even what you believe. So you backslid. Remove that mountain. Uh, you backslid. You're an imposter. You're a liar. You've fallen from your faith. So the whole church, suddenly they came together. Didn't matter if you were Jacobites or Nestorians. Doesn't matter. Everybody started to pray. The Christians were afraid for their lives, but confident Jesus would deliver them. So they began to fast and implore God's mercy. After eight days of fervent prayer. Now, I'm not talking about uh, the one hour prayer in the morning. I'm talking about eight days of fervent prayer. The writing said men, women, children were all on their face crying out to God for deliverance because they had 10 days to move a mountain. A pious bishop had a divine revelation of where to go to find the solution that he would travel north of where he was to a village. And in that village was a one-eyed shoemaker. And upon that one-eyed shoemaker was the gift of divine grace to move the mountain. So it took them eight days of fasting so that they could go and find the solution to the problem. And the solution to the problem was a one-eyed shoemaker who was now going to come and move the mountain. Thank God for the one-eyed shoemaker. Hello. I mean, if we had to move a mountain suddenly, where would people go in America? Think about it. We just come through 2020, 2021, 2022. Whole churches closed down. Ministers were hiding behind closed doors. Major ministries were sitting on a Zoom. People, are you kidding me? I'm no longer a slave to fear and they're hiding behind a mosque. What are you talking about? Where, are, where were the mountain movers? Are you with me? Where were the people that would say, no, absolutely not. We're not bowing our knee. Well, then you're going to get arrested. Then go ahead and arrest me. Because the day is going to come where it's going to come back. Let me tell you. I can tell you what they're planning for 2025. I can tell you what they have planned for the planet. And the day will come when you will have to renounce Jesus and deny the faith. If not, you'll be put to death on the spot. They'll rip your wife from you and your children and execute them in front of you. Don't look at me like that can happen in America because if you could even believe five years ago that a preacher could be locked up for opening a church on a Sunday morning and the first preacher in 150 years. I'm not trying to harp on that, but let me tell you, if I, this is what I preached before that nonsense. And this is what I preach after that nonsense. I already laid everything on the altar. I'm ready to die for what I believe. I will not compromise and we will not back down. Now, if that's a little too harsh for you, there are some churches in the Tampa Bay area that don't believe what I'm talking about. They still want to lock down. They don't want to ruffle feathers, but you're in the wrong room if you're here today. It's all or nothing, ladies and gentlemen. 
If you're going to go all the way with God, we're going all the way with God. Because our life is not temporarily here on the earth. We're already living an eternal life. Physically, this body will change. This corruptible put on incorruptible. This mortality will put on immortality. And we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But this world is not our home. We are just passing through. But God is needing mountain movers in this day and this hour. I don't care if you have to fast eight days. We talked about Cornelius fasting four days and sending for Peter. And now they fasted eight days. This was a pious bishop, but he didn't have the power to move the mountain. Even after an eight-day fast, I don't believe that the one-eyed shoemaker had even known what the caliph had declared. I don't, I don't believe it. But he was a devout man and one that prayed to God. So anyway, the bishop went to the village and there he found the one-eyed shoemaker. You know, if you're looking for a one-eyed shoemaker and you get there to the shoe store and he's got two eyes, you're in trouble. You're in the wrong room. Now, the reason he was one eye was because he took his own eye out. He plucked his own eye out based on Mark chapter 9 and 47. If your right eye offend you or your eye offend you, pluck it out. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be cast into hell. Somebody said, well, why did he pluck out his eye? Because on a certain day, a very beautiful woman came into his store to get her foot measured, to get a shoe made for her foot. And as she sat down, it said, the writing said her skirt fell open and her whole leg was exposed. And in the ancient English writing, it said, it aroused in him a momentary concupiscence, <laughs> which you can go find out what that is. And so then Im immediately remembering the scripture, if your right eye offend, you pluck it out because he loved God so much and he knew that he was in trouble. He told the woman to leave, would not take any further measurements. And he went in the back eye, took a hook and plucked his eye out. Now I know I'm not asking you to pluck out your eye. I'm trying to tell you that the, the attitude of your heart must be in accordance with the scripture. Are you with me? I didn't ask you to go, do not leave you and pluck out your eye. You're an idiot. Are you with me? I'm just saying what he did. And obviously his relationship with the Lord. I don't know what it, I don't know what that would mean, plucking out your eye in 1225 with no doctors or medicine, with, you know, even help. But he meant business with God. So it's interesting, when the mountain was to be moved, they had to find a one-eyed shoemaker. Where would you go? In America, to find a one-eyed shoemaker. If ever we need a one-eyed shoemaker, we need him now. Well, somebody said, I can be a two-eye, and I don't need to make shoes, but I'm going to have an intimate relationship with God, and we're going to move mountains. Amen. Can you say amen? So the day came. On the morning of the 10th day, they rose before dawn. They prayed even more fervently. 
They went out of the valley. There was the Caliph and all of his men. 100,000 Christians were gathered. You know, when the, when the bishop said to the one-eyed shoemaker, we need you, you the man that can move the mountain. You know what the one-eyed shoemaker said? No, you've got the wrong person. I'm not even worthy that this grace would be bestowed upon. Not me, you've got the wrong person. The, the bishop said, it's you. I prayed, I saw you in a vision. God said, it's you, and he was persistent. He wouldn't let it go. This is his last hope to, to rescue the Christians. So they, of course, arrived. There's the one-eyed shoemaker, and there's the caliph, there's the mountain, and they gave him a cross, and he was to go, and they said, basically, there's the mountain, and you do what you need to do. <laughs> we'll, we'll just stand here. And so the one-eyed shoemaker goes out, and he knelt down, and he prayed, O oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, grant unto your people this day the gift of divine grace so as to move this mountain. And then he got up and pointed to the mountain and said, oh mountain, be moved. And there was an earthquake and the earth shook, the ground shook and the mountain disappeared and was moved out of the way. And the caliph and his men, the writing said, were overcome with stupefaction. Stupefaction me. And they walked around for hours. Because they saw the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that day, that caliph converted to Christianity. That day, from that day, he did not plague the believers anymore. He left them alone. From that day, from that day, because the power of God was made manifested. This is in history, in the writings of Marco Polo. Don't buy the unabridged version. I mean the abridged version. Get the unabridged version, not the one shorted out. If you bought the abridged Bible, it would have the book of Acts would be gone most of the miracles of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would be gone. Are you with me? Get the Bible. Hallelujah. Later on, when he died, the caliph, they would not bury him with his predecessors because they found a cross under his garment. So he had to be buried in an unmarked grave. Then what the Christians did, every day on the anniversary of the mountain being moved, they would worship God as the day that the mountain moved and God saved them. And um, I'm a friend with uh, the Bishop of Baghdad. Of course, he lives in England now. You know, Canon Andrew White. And uh, he had a church in Baghdad, about 4,000 members, and he was here with me and I talked to him and said, hey, Kenan, can you find out if these people exist? And he took him about four months and he found the village right up in the mountains of Iraq where they still celebrated the day that the mountains moved. He said all those years from 1225 till the present they've been celebrating. Well, I have the sad news of telling you that whole village was killed by ISIS. Are you with me? 
because there was no one-eyed shoemaker to deliver them all these years later. You can read about history and you can say, oh, God did it in days gone by. But ladies and gentlemen, there's going to have to take somebody that will stand up and say, let me be a one amongst the ones that are counted. And if God's going to do what he's going to do, he's going to do it. I might not be the one that I feel is the most worthy to do anything, but Lord, I'm available. And there's too many mountains. There's mountains against our children right now. There's mountains against our youth right now. There's a mountains against our cities, our towns, our villages. Our nation is under attack from every side. It's going to take holy men of God, full of the Holy Ghost, that will press into God, that will get the mind of God not even to fast and pray for eight days to go find some other man of God who had already fasted and prayed. Will you be the one that will fast and pray so when they need a mountain, they come and call you to come and move that mountain? Can it be that we sit here today with a field full of mountain movers that will see God do great and mighty things? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. the gift of divine grace. What we're seeing here, even this last six months period of time, don't take lightly. This is a mountain that is being moved. What we've seen here, 2020, 2021, 2022, is mountain. This is all a miracle. If you know the inner workings of every day, of just believing God and just trusting Him every single day, seeing the hand of God come through again and again and again and again. Everything paid. How is it possible? This beautiful arena, this beautiful pavilion, and everything, it's the hand of God. How is it possible when we've seen things for years and years and then suddenly, like a flood, suddenly the hand of God begins to flow? You know what? That's not just for us, because that's for every single person that's here, that's operating under the same faith. You've stepped into mountain-moving faith when you come to this church. You've stepped into mountain-moving faith to see the hand of God do what is impossible. In actual fact, some people think you're just making the stories up. Because they even asked Marco Polo, said, on his deathbed, is what you, did you, what you wrote about, is it true? And he said, the half has never yet been told. The half has never yet been told. Now, the story has been oh, so convoluted. It's now claimed that it happened in Egypt by a certain group of Christians there. Then it claimed it happened in Turkey, and then others claimed it happened. It didn't. It happened in Iraq. But every religion, because of the Catholic Church, laid claim now to that miracle. Are you with me? So they can't deny that it happened, but they all lay claim that their bishop or their pious pope or whatever was the one to move the mountain. But, you know, God knows... Are you with me? God knows when we get to heaven, we'll be able to pull the virtual reality tapes and watch it all. Somebody said, yeah, but you'll know. It doesn't matter. I want to just watch it because I've got some ideas of other things that have happened down through history. And I'll be sitting there screaming, going, I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! 
I knew it. Some of you go, I knowed it. I knowed it. I knowed it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on. God wants to do great things. And he's waiting on you, the church. That's why you've got to get over your crap. We've got a bunch of excavators here. Let's use them to get rid of the crap. Some of you are carrying enough crap. It's the crap that was passed down to you by your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather. It's still crap. Now, to some people, this is just our testimony, our story. But when you get on a plane with your wife and three children and four suitcases and $300 to come to a nation, that might just sound like, oh, they got on a plane. We had no one. We had no help. We had no one to support us other than the word of the Lord. And we landed in this country, December of 1987. Everything else is a miracle. And I can repeat it over and over again, but you try to load your whole family up and pack your bags and go to a country with $300, with no help, no credit card, nothing. Have no clue where you're gonna go. Just the word of the Lord. Somebody said, not everybody can live like this. Oh, really? Not everybody can live like this. Well, how do you want them to live? Huh? Sucking on the breast of the government? How do you want them to live? Dependent upon their man of God? I need to go see my man of God? Like he's a Buddha? Will you go rub his belly to get your answer? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm pushing you. I am pushing you. Had we not pushed the church over the previous decades, we would never have survived 2020. This church would have been finished. It would have been done. But we were ready for it when it came. We were made for COVID-19. We were made for this moment. We were made for this hour. And we made for whatever other variant they want to throw at us. We made for whatever hell they are planning. We will never bow. We will never quit. And the God who answers by fire is our God. Hallelujah. I saw the hand of God clear the earth one more time. One more time, nations will be shaken by the hand of the Lord. One more time. Hallelujah. If I look down through the 90s, I see the hand of God. I see, oh, I see, I see the glory of God in the middle of craziness, miracle here, the miracle there. They were smaller mountains. Some of them were sand dunes, but then the mountains got bigger and bigger. But because we saw the Lord do that there, do that there, do that there, we say, well, take that one. 
And then we ran in ahead and slammed that up the side of the head. And then there was another big mountain on the other side of that, which we couldn't see because the mountain blocked the view. After we moved that mountain, we saw another one, then we moved that one. So throughout the 90s, it's been supernatural. That, that whole mountain that moved in 1999 at Madison Square Garden, and then Shreveport, and then the mountain of this, this whole property, now 90 acres, then 83 acres that we got on the highway. We bought this with no money, just a word from God, no money, no money in the bank, no facility to even lend, no money, just a word from God. Buy that property, that's your property. And so we followed the plan of God and the rest is history. What's God wanting to do with you? This can only come by way of a relationship. And it'll come by prayer and fasting. Are you with me? Because what prayer and fasting does, it gets rid of unbelief. If you have any unbelief, separate yourself and get rid of it. If you have any fear, separate yourself, get rid of it, and learn to confront every fear head on. Are you with me? How many been taking out fears that have plagued you? Take them out. Take them out. Hallelujah. Then the last 20 years before 2021, I mean before 2020, the previous from 99 to, 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 to uh, uh, 2019, the mir many miracles, many, many miracles over and over again. A lot we, which we never even talked about. Some of the stuff I have to remind myself of. Sometimes I have to talk to people and say, hey, do you remember what happened then? I go, no, what happened? Then they tell me, I go, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You have to remind yourself. And of course, the last three years, I can truly say I've never seen anything like it in my life. I have no words to describe 2020, 2021, 2022. But if you think that these three years were extraordinary, you ain't ready for 23. Well, you have to because you're here now. Amen. This shall be an extraordinary year. For the world, it shall be hell. For the church, it shall be glory. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the gift of faith coming upon people here. All across this field right now. There's things that the Lord is going to have you do for him. Somebody said, why must I do them for God? Because God does it that way. God calls people to press in. God calls people to break the... You've got to break the sound barrier. Are you with me? You've got to step outside of the realm, that realm that's kept you in bondage 
that's holding you in bondage or captivity. You have to step out. You've got to get over your fears. You can't keep mollycoddling them. You can't keep feeding your fears. You can't keep feeding your doubts. You have to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. And you have to hear the word of the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I believe. If you can do it for Pastor Rodney, you can do it for me. What does that mean? In the sphere that God's called you to. In the realm that God has called you to. This is all about your assignment. Somebody said, I have it all worked out. Well, then it can't be God's assignment then because God's not going to give you everything all worked out. God's only going to give you just a little bit, just a little tidbit. And then you're going to go... And then you're going to go further, and then you're going to go further, and you're going to go further, and you're going to go further. And when you look again, you're going to, oh no, where am I? You're in a place of totally trusting Him. You can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. You have to keep walking on the water, and you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Stop trying to rationalize everything. Stop trying to get everything. What people would call all your ducks in a row. Somebody might come and shoot your ducks, and then there are no ducks in a row. Just move. Do what God calls you to do. God moves with the man and the woman of God that moves when he says move. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but it's time to move and do exactly what God has called you to do. Can you say amen? So that's what praying fasting is about. It's not you pray and fast and do nothing. Don't, don't even talk to me. I'm talking to mountain movers here. I'm talking to mountain movers. Hallelujah. When the disciples couldn't cast the devil out of the boy, and the the people said to Jesus, why can they not cast the devil out? He said, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. In other words, You're not going to see the supernatural power of God in your life without pressing in like you've never pressed in before. Can you say amen? Somebody said, Pastor, if I do that, it's going to feel like I'm dying. No, you're not dying. You're going to live. You'll not die. The flesh will be put aside. The reasons of the mind will be put aside, but your spirit man will be strong and you'll rise up in power and do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The stuff that history will be written about if Jesus tarries another hundred years from now. That's why I have no time for people they're always fasting and praying and do nothing. I got no time. I, I, want to, I want to hear about it. Don't even tell me. I'm not interested. If all the power in your life was dynamite exploded, it wouldn't be enough to blow your nose. Get out of town. You're religious. And you're stuck in a ritual. Time to be in a relationship. And that's available for every person.
Can you say amen? Did you get something out of this this morning? How many mountain movers do we have here today? I'll tell you what, while I was preaching, the enemy, he just called for a change of underwear. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, because it's about to be unleashed on him like never before. Bow your heads, please, right across this room today. I'm going to give the call for people to surrender their life to the Lord. Right after that, we'll give you an opportunity to sow seed, and then we'll receive communion. So I'm going to ask, please, nobody to move. The only people moving are the workers. But let's give the Lord opportunity to speak to people right now. While the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here and you fit into any one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Maybe you came here today. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. You that are watching my television, I'm talking to you as well. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? If you put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, you passed. That's happening to many people right now and even young people. 17, 18, 19, 24, 28, pass in their sleep. I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain today. God calls you. Will you surrender to him? Will you say, yes, Lord Jesus? He loves you. He stands with arms right open. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He calls you. Will you come? Will you say, yes, Lord? Maybe you here in this facility, this pavilion, or you're watching my television. You gave your life to the Lord in days gone by, but you've allowed the things of the world to come in. You've lost that first love, that joy, that peace that you once had. But today you say, I'm coming back. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Maybe it's something hidden. No one can see pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But today the Lord calls you. He says, come. Will you surrender to him? Maybe it's something outward that everyone can see. And so you feel like, well, what's the use? People know how bad I am. There's no hope for me. But I got news for you. God's a God of a second chance. And he's a God of a new beginning. Will you surrender to him and say, yes, Lord. He will come and do his work in you. Just say, yes, Lord. Maybe you here or you're watching and you say, Pastor, I was doing fine. I was serving God. I was on fire. But a storm came against my life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world. But today, I want to come back. I want my joy restored back to me today. He calls you. 
And then lastly, maybe you're here and you say, I love the Lord. I always have loved Him. And I've served Him. But I'm not sure. I don't have the assurance of my salvation. But today, I want to make sure that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. If you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you, right where you are, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Quickly, put your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you. 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 I was five years old when I raised my hand. I was five years old when I raised my hand and I walked down the aisle. Anybody else? Slip their hand up behind and say yes. Once you raise it, you can put it down. I want you to look at me, if you would, please. On this side, you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer. We're going to pray quickly. Slip that hand up and say, include me. Anybody else? Don't delay. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, yes, Lord. Thank you. This middle section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Slip the hand up right now. God bless you. Bless you. This far side, yeah, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Slip your hand up right now. Thank you. I want every person that raised your hand, I want you to get up from where you are. Bring your personal belongings. Get up from where you are and come stand here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. I have decided. To follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. turning back no turning back you can take the whole world but give me Jesus you can take the whole world
turning back. I want you to look at me for just a moment. We're going to pray one prayer, one prayer fits all. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. Because this is a personal thing for each person. And you that are watching my television, as I pray with them, you pray with me. I want you to close your eyes right now. Just raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this together with me right now. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. I will be saved. So right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now lift both hands. Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day, not one of them will be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them for the remainder of their days. May they all be mountain movers. Even if their days be another year or two or three or five or ten, make their days count, we pray in Jesus' name. And never once said, Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.